when people say all lives matter, it's basically like you have a house and house across the street is burning. And then so you go and try to bring water to put this fire out. Mm -hmm. And then the neighbor of the house that's burning goes, well, what about my house? And you go, well, your house isn't burning right now. And <laughs> and they go, but my house still matters. But my house could burn. My house could burn, but it isn't burning. So why would I try to put water on your house <laughs> when your house is totally fine and the other house next to you is burning? Welcome to the Push Podcast. Why push? Because a nudge is just too friendly. And friend, we're here to help you get your shit together. I'm Eddie. And I'm Janelle. And we're the Copelands. We've got three daughters, two businesses, a mortgage, and lots of responsibilities. So just like you, we're struggling to find that perfect balance of ambitious go-getter hustle while still staying present, loving our kids, and working on our relationship. <laughs> and doing the laundry, going to the grocery store. Oh, and don't forget being mindful. Yeah, mindful all of the stuff. <laughs> So if you're juggling all the things, but you're also trying to get to the next level, guess what? You're in the right place. So get ready to be pushed. Hey guys, welcome back to the Push Podcast. I'm Janelle. And I'm Eddie. And this is Kayla Copeland. Hello. She's wearing the most ridiculous glasses right now, yeah. you guys. It's so distracting. And My party glasses. This is her party glasses <laughs> for a party episode. This is episode number 40. And today we want to talk to you about, it's a special episode. It's going to be played on a day that's not normally our podcast release day because there's lots of craziness happening in the world right now, mostly around racism. Mm. And so we're going to talk to you a little bit about some of the conversations that we've been having regularly in the Copeland household, what that looks like for our family. And hopefully it'll be an inspiring episode for you to have better conversations and just figure out how to jump in and be a part of the change, not a part of the rhetoric, not a part of stirring the pot, making matters worse. And so... I think I want to start really and, quick. Yeah. Oh, just, you go ahead. No, I just want to add, <laughs> just to add to that, we want to hopefully get you from a place where maybe you're practicing resistance and maybe we can trade that resistance in for curiosity. Resistance like, oh, Black Lives Matter. What do you mean? All lives matter. That yeah, resi- sort of resistance? Yeah, resistance mean? to the fact that maybe you don't think you think this is going out of proportion. Maybe yeah, you why think are people that, looting? Why, why are, are there people, riots? They're ruining yeah, their own cities. Yeah. Or what about black on black crime? Not understanding what the protest is all about. M- right. m- maybe you're caught in that and we want to help maybe liberate your mind a little inconvenience bit. Inconvenience of the traffic. People are standing across freeways, which Kayla has yeah. a really good story about. She'll tell you later. <laughs> and then also one thing about racism is people have to self-reflect. So hopefully this episode gets you to think about your own biases and that you are not necessarily very conscious of and um, get you to a better place. Right. So let's first start with uh, race in our household. So Kayla's sitting here with us right now. I think each child has their own kind of run in with the first time they faced something outside of the home that brought their race to their attention. So Jasmine, really quick though, she was in, it had to have been first grade, which meant that Kayla would have been, she was probably in second, you think kindergarten. So second grade kindergarten, and then Jordan might've been three or so. Yeah. So I had Jordan in the car. I pick you guys up from school, from elementary school and Jasmine excitedly gets in the car with you. And then she says, Oh my God, Janelle, did you know that it's African-American History Month this month? And I said, yes, babe, I did. She goes, did you know that I was (laughs) African-American? And I was like, I did actually. And Kayla goes, wait, am I African-American? And I was like, yes, you are. I want to say you were like, yes. 
And then Jordan yeah. was like, am I African-American? I said, yes, you are. So they're like happy. And then Kayla goes, is Chloe African-American? <laughs> and I was like, Chloe is definitely not African-American. And Kayla goes, oh, man, no fair. And that was her little white girlfriend at the time who was her BFF, right? So the point of that story is like you were disappointed because you didn't really even know what that meant, but you wanted your friend to be like you. And that was one of the first conversations we had with our kids about race. Prior to that, you guys would refer to each other as ice cream flavors. Like yeah. Jordan was like light caramel, vanilla caramel, <sighs> you know, Uncle Chris was dark chocolate. Mm. So you were ice cream flavors. <laughs> Do you, you remember that, yeah. right? And what are you, chocolate? What are you? I was chocolate. My, me and my sister, Jasmine. Milk chocolate. Yeah, we were milk chocolate. Jordan was always like caramel or dulce de leche. <laughs> the little light-skinned yeah, girl. Yeah, so there was no context to race at right. all for them. Because they grew up seeing so many different right. colors and cultures. and Within their know, own family. Right. Yeah. Within their own family, yeah. And so um, that was really important for us to show them diversity and like to show them that this was all family and we didn't really talk about that. Then, though, Kayla was in, we're thinking first or second grade where she went out for her first play. She was auditioning for the lead role in the school Christmas musical. And what was it before audition or like no, during? When I after? had gotten the part. What? Yeah. Really? The lead role was the angel, mm -hmm. was the angel in the Christmas musical. Right. And I got the angel. And your friend said what? Do you remember? Yeah. She goes, I didn't know angels could be black. No, she <laughs> said, you can't get that role, Kayla. Because no, yeah, there like, are no black angels. Yeah. Angels can't be black. Mm -hmm. And do you remember being a little girl, like what you thought or said? Because I remember you coming home telling us. I don't. I was just kind of confused. Because like, Why? I was, I was like, cause I, at that point, I just like, didn't ever think that I was black. Right. Like, I, like <laughs> yeah. it never really came in across my mind. I right. was like, oh, can angels be black? And right. I was like, what's like, <laughs> am I doing? <laughs> yeah. I was sort of confused because right. it was never really something that I often thought about. Right. So I and remember. it was an innocent thing. It like, was. It, it wasn't mm -hmm. like. Well, wait a second. So she came home. Fabiola and I were making cakes from home at the time. And I remember Fab going crazy, you know, yeah. she's racist. Do you remember? She yeah. was so upset about it. But I it. don't remember ever being upset. I right. was never like when you she were told not me, upset, I was like, yeah. oh, I don't know. Maybe black Maybe. people can't be <laughs> angels, right? Uh -huh. So it wound up being a conversation that we opened up for our family. And it was interesting. You having three parents, me, Fab and Eddie, we always had a really good chance to like weigh all of our opinions and then find some sort of common ground. So I remember Fab freaking out, right? Yeah. Like saying that they were racist. <laughs> and then I remember dad saying, I was like, well, let's not jump to conclusions. We don't know that they're children, you know, this and that. And I remember Fab wanting to go down to the school. And I remember you saying, well, here's the thing. She's black. And this isn't the first or the last time that someone's going to refer to her as being black. So we've got to show her how to be black and how to stand up for herself. Right. And so we agreed as a family to talk to her about her blackness <laughs> and to tell her like this little girl probably didn't mean anything by it. Black people can absolutely be angels. She's probably just never seen a black person play an angel role in a movie or something. So we let this go on. I want to say it was maybe a month later and Fab went on a field trip with the little girl's mom, mm -hmm. waited for the perfect moment because 
the little girl's mom was complaining about some sort of injustice that had been displayed towards her kid. And Fab, like, you know, nonchalantly slides in. Well, you know, someone mentioned to Kayla when she got the lead role as the angel, you can't be the angel, Kayla, because black people can't be angels. And the mom was mortified. (laughs) Do you remember? Mm -hmm. She was like, oh, my God, who would say that? And she's like, well, actually, it was your little girl Mm -hmm. that said it. And the look on this woman's face was horrific. Yeah. You know, she was so mortified. She goes home, talks to her daughter, and it wound up being something really innocent. They never, yeah. you know, displayed the girl was my racism. Best friend yeah. At the time. yeah. Yeah. She and, didn't want to then, but that, discriminate against you. She had mm-hmm. just never legitimately seen a black angel. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how powerful <laughs> that story is because that is what we're facing now. Right. Right. We are facing the unconscious racism, a bias that people have towards Black people. One, because it's just conditioning. Like this young lady never saw a Black person in that position. Mm -hmm. Kayla never thought about a Black person in that position. And that's why it's so important that you see individuals of color do certain things Mm -hmm. because it paints a picture that it's possible, but also paints the picture of people who are not Black that, oh, anyone can do that, mm-hmm. right? Anyone can be president, no matter right. what their nationality is or what their race is, uh, or I should say what their race is, not their nationality. But that is so important. Well, I remember telling our girls, like we wanted them to know that they could do anything. Like we brainwashed you legitimately, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. You feel like you can, you could be the president if you wanted to. And I remember when Obama got elected and we were crying and they were just like so confused. Like, why are you upset about this? Like, what's the big deal? Like they thought as little black girls, they could become the president. So what was the big deal? You know, and I just remember feeling so powerful. And like that was such a great moment for our family, whether you liked Obama or not. If you are in a black family, that was a pivotal moment in history. And it was great to watch our kids be able to witness that. By the way, Kayla's favorite person on the planet is Obama. Mm, Yes. Yes, yes. (laughs) She wishes he was her dad. (laughs) Wait. Maybe uncle. Yeah, there there you go. So conversely, though, this is interesting. We didn't talk about this off air, but our niece, Maya Rush, she's an athlete. She's a stellar athlete. She's an Olympian. And it's interesting. I want to talk for a second about the token black person. Yeah. Because... She's around lots of people. Her mom is white. Her dad's black. So she's multicultured. She's biracial. And she's a tremendous athlete, right? Highly skilled, very decorated athlete. So there's a friend that has said some things that have kind of upset Linda, Mm -hmm. Maya's mom. And so finally, she called her out on it while all this stuff is kind of coming to a head. She said, you know, that is the epitome of privilege. Like, you cannot say things like that. And she goes, well, I'm not racist. I love Maya. Mm. And she's like, okay, but, but she, the way Mm. that she was saying it was like the context of, well, Maya's special though. Like Maya's the one black girl that I can kind of pull out of my card. She's my black card. right? Right. So we were watching a movie the other night and that's what happened. What was that movie? Loose. And so the kid, he's like on the debate team, straight A student, but then he's got a friend on the track team and this guy is smoking weed, hanging out with the wrong people. And so they get into a confrontation because Luce, the guy who's on the debate team, is trying to tell his friend like, man, you got yourself kicked off the team. We needed you. And so that guy, black guy is like, 
you know, well, I don't have an easy life like you. So that guy's got to take it from the black people. Right. He's not black enough to be black like his friend who's doing weed and hanging out with the wrong people. But then in like the next scene, his white friend is like talking crap about the other guy going down the wrong path. And he's like, well, you know, I'm black, too. And, you know, I smoke weed, too. And I am on the debate team, too. And he goes, yeah, but you're not that kind of black. Yeah, and so that, that's, yeah, that's like, what I grew oh, up hearing. That, yeah, really? That, yeah. yeah. Tell us about that, Kayla. Well, I grew up hearing that I was, I mean, I remember like the phrase was throughout elementary and middle school was, you are the whitest black person I've ever met. Mm. And I was like, oh, I mean, well, and I, and I never really said anything to it because I never knew what how to respond to it. Right. But it, they always referenced to how I spoke and mm-hmm. how I acted. And, and then I was and I, and I go, well, how am I white? Um, mm-hmm. Well, you speak like a white person. You act like a white person. You don't act black. Well, how does a black person act? Well, right. you know, like they act ghetto. And then mm-hmm. and then I come like, uh, OK. And I never really had a rebuttal. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's what I grew up hearing in throughout middle school and elementary school. And yeah. so like that. Because you're pe- not black enough. But, yeah. but here's the thing. And I was talking about this earlier. When you really are paying attention to people and you really like have an empathy for their ignorance, you hear their racism that they don't hear. Mm-hmm. Right. And so. And they would die with their hand across their heart. Right? I'm not racist, I'm not racist yeah. Kayla. But, I'm your best friend, but mm-hmm. I'm saying you're not really black like right. the other black yeah, people. Because you, are, you, don't, you don't fit the stereotype of what I've learned that black people are. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the type of black people that I am afraid of. You're the type of black person I could be a friend, be my mm-hmm. friend. Mm-hmm. And that is the problem we have right now in society that I hope that we're kind of breaking those walls of understanding that there is an unconscious racism that we have that goes through a vast amount of people that are good people. Mm -hmm. They just don't know that what they're saying is extremely racist. Right. And when you break that down, and that's what this episode is about, is to liberate your mind. And and hopefully you look in the mirror and you say, damn, I've made some racist ass comments and I didn't Mm -hmm. even realize Mm -hmm. it. And I don't want to be that person. I want to be awareness. And I keep touting this book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, because in that book, it talks about this very thing. And also within the black community, there's racist, right? There's colorism and all those different things. Well, yeah, if she was around, like if we raised them in the inner city, she wouldn't be black enough. Right. And you may be black enough mm-hmm. or or you've got your hair is different than other people's hair. And then mm-hmm. you have the good hair versus the bad hair and all that kind of stuff that makes it racist because mm-hmm. racism, and I want to make sure I'm clear with this, is anytime that you take something, there's a hierarchy. You think because of this race, mm-hmm. you're better, mm-hmm. right? Whether it be the skin complexion, their hair quality, whatever it is, if something is better because of the fact that it's less of being black, mm-hmm. then that's racist. So yeah, mm-hmm. so they're saying like, well, you're a different kind of black girl, mm-hmm. right? That's supremacy. Yeah. You're better than the, the other ghetto black, black people, people, right? right? Yeah. That's supremacy. That is an exercise of racism. And when you time you exercise supremacy of something being better because something else is black. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then also, like, can we talk for a moment about white privilege? Like, I'm trying to get a lot of my friends and followers to understand that having or being someone who has had or experienced white privilege your whole life does not make you a racist. Mm-hmm. It makes you someone who is probably white, who has not walked in the shoes of a black person. So I was trying to explain this in a post and one of my friends, she wrote a beautiful post after it that said, let me talk to you about my white privilege. And she said, when I was 16, I had just gotten my license. I got in a car accident, sideswiped like two cars like that were parked. She's like, I was crying, hysterical. The police officer pulls up. I'm crying. 
And he winds up putting me in the back of his police car, trying to calm me down, spends like 30 minutes to an hour trying to calm her down because she's sobbing uncontrollably and just feels terrible. And she said, then he proceeds to give her a ticket and he's profusely apologizing to her. Like, I'm so sorry because she was so upset, right? She said, although it was a good experience with a good cop who meant well, that's great. That was my white privilege. Mm -hmm. I never once feared for my life. I never once was afraid to get into the back of the police car. I never once thought he was going to beat me or detain me wrongfully or something like that. She goes, and he was profusely apologizing that he had to cite me, saying he only had to do it because there was damage to the cars, right? So her just posting that, talking about it, does not make her racist. It makes her woke. It makes her aware. Aware. It makes her a part of the solution. And so I want to just really clarify that for all the people that are listening that are not Black. When people are talking about white privilege, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. No. What white privilege is, is, it's simple things. It's like, Here's what I have to think about. If I go outside and I decide that you it's as cold, a black as man. a black man, if I go outside and I feel like, hey, it's kind of cold outside and I decide to put a hood on and I know that that hood's going to cover my face a little bit, I am constantly thinking about the fact, do I look like a threat? Do I look scary? Do I look intimidating? Do I look scary? And so one of the things that I was talking to someone else who else was black and he was a black man and he said something very, very that I deal with as well. He says, I find myself constantly trying to make myself more subtle, more subdued, so that I don't intimidate white people, Mm -hmm. so that I don't come across as a threat to them, and in the corporate environment, in a work environment, lose out on opportunities because of the fact that they see me as an intimidating factor. Or like some people say that you take the bass out of your voice because Mm -hmm. you don't want to be that scary black man. Mm -hmm. And so those are things that a white man has the privilege of not having to think Mm -hmm. about. And I want you guys to clearly understand that. Like, There are certain subtleties that a black man or a black woman have to think about Mm -hmm. that you don't have to think about. That is this privilege of like, hey, if I get pulled over, I can look at this one or two ways. I can be subdued and I can be meek and I can say I'm not going to talk back even if I thought that I'm getting pulled over for no reason. Where I have seen white men go back and forth with a police officer. And just get angry and get that angry you pulled me over. You're inconveniencing me. liberty and freedom to say whatever they want to say mm-hmm. to a police officer. Well, I can't do that. Right. Right. And so that is a privilege. That's white privilege. Right. Yeah. That's not racist privilege. No. That's something that you just automatically get because of the color of your skin. Absolutely. And those are the conversations I have to smile more. Yeah, you do. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> have, you're a big, scary black yeah, man. Yeah, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm 6'2", I'm 230 pounds. If I don't smile and I have this stern look on my face, it may affect my career in my yeah. head. And I may not be real in certain cases. I may be around the right people who don't feel that way, but it's something I got to think about. Yeah. Also, I think if you are another example of white privilege is posting things that are only about the riots and the looting and Mm -hmm. like, oh, my God, stop destroying our communities. Like, what are you doing? That is privilege in itself for you to not understand how deep rooted and deep seated this is. So I think that my message to people has been like, ask better questions. You're asking questions like, why are they stopping traffic? Why are they causing a commotion? Why are they ruining their communities? How about you ask like, what kind of pain must they be experiencing that I'm not getting? Right. What can I do to listen better because I might be missing the message? What is so 
crazy for them right now that they think that they've had to resort to this type of violence or behavior or whatever. What can I do to learn more? So I think just asking questions is the first thing that I want to encourage people to do. Yeah. And I think that speaks to what we were talking about is going from resistance to curiosity. I need to find out more because I'm not getting it. And I think that when we, what makes this podcast right now so relevant is because obviously we're on the heels of George Floyd's death, right? And when you think about the fact that this man's life was lost, a person, a human being is dead now, Mm -hmm. gone. And the lack of outrage from many of people that I see, and especially from the white community, and they're more outraged by what you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. They're more Mm -hmm. outraged by the inconvenience Mm -hmm. than the death. Right. Right. Or they think that there's some type of context that they're missing that makes this death reasonable. Mm-hmm. It like, makes it. Like, I saw the surveillance. I saw his knee on his neck, but we didn't see the whole thing. We didn't see the whole thing. And right. let me just paint a picture. Let's just use our imagination. Let's just say he was resisting. Let's just say with handcuffs on, he was kicking and screaming. Right. Because on Saturday, they released a video showing him being beaten in the back of the vehicle, right. but he was in handcuffs. Yeah. Right. So, so really, was he a threat? Was he right. fighting back? Did he have a gun so you have with his handcuffs on? men right. with weapons, billy clubs, billy clubs uh-huh. all kinds of things that they could have probably handled the situation that did not resort to death. Okay. And so I want to make sure people who are out there that are in that resistance phase, like really play that out. What context are you searching for? Right. And then self-reflect. Why am I looking for context? There's a dead man. Well, you're looking for context because you feel like, well, he had to have deserved it. Mm -hmm. Right. That's really what it is. The underlining thing. When you say like, well, we don't know the full context. We didn't see the full video. What really would have warranted somebody getting beat by four grown men with handcuffs on in the back of a car and then being taken out of the car and then being laid on the floor and had someone's knee and body weight put on them for almost eight minutes? What kind of context? Like, because at no point did he have a weapon, no. which meant he wasn't really a threat, right? Right. They said he was intoxicated. Okay, well, then was he really all there? You know, you might be a little impaired, but... I guess what we're asking is, is like, ask better questions because we're asking like, well, what did he do to deserve this? And I think that's why people are in an outrage is like, there's nothing that was justifiable for that amount of force. Right. And I think, and this may sound shocking, but Black people value Black people's lives. Okay. Explain. And what I mean by that- people would say, well, no, there's more Black on Black crime. Regardless, what I'm saying is, is- Black on black crime, white on white crime, more white people kill white people in this society. Okay. Right? More black people kill black people in this society, right? Statistically, more murders and in, in cases of homicide happen within the same race. Okay. So that's a mute argument, mm-hmm. right? Because that statistically shows that people in the same race, because they're in the same neighborhood, kill the same people, mm-hmm. right? What we're talking about is a person of authority that's supposed to protect and serve right. and to keep order is creating deaths mm-hmm. that are people are dying because they are going too far. And then we've had this conversation for many, many years. And one of the things that I think that I've shared with Janelle was, and I have a tremendous amount of empathy for ignorance because I, I'm understanding. Doesn't mean I tolerate it. Don't, doesn't mean I think that it's, it's okay. But I think proximity is everything. Oh, when absolutely. you take 
suburban police officers, white suburban police officers from suburban areas and you put them in inner cities and you ask them to police the people they do not know. Mm -hmm. They have no clue who they are. They don't understand their culture. They don't understand. They never were raised with them. They never even had friends that were black men or women, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. And you ask them to police them. And then you ask them to understand their aggression, understand their frustration about life. They're not equipped. It's going to, they're not equipped. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a problem. So let me give you a, like a context, a deeper context of what Eddie's saying. He's saying that if you're a five, nine average height, white guy growing up in Glendora, let's just say, and you're friends with people, let's say you got bullied. I don't know, whatever the case may be, but you're an average person, right? And you decide because maybe your dad was a cop or someone was a cop, you're inspired to become a police officer. So you go, you get your badge, get the training, whatever. And now you join LAPD and you've got to patrol, you know, some really rough areas in, say, Los Angeles or Inglewood. Now you're only seeing the worst of the worst, right? You're only now you're seeing as a police officer, right? As a police officer, because in any area you're seeing the worst of the worst, right? Yeah. So now you have never been really around a bunch of black people. Now it's a very short time before you see this every day, before you start to believe that this is what black people do. This is a representation of black people. That's not something I think is anyone's fault. I think that that's something like we have to have a better recruiting system. We've got to have, uh, we were talking about Aaron Hernandez, the football player. In order to get into the NFL, you do all these assessments, psychological assessments. They want to test your emotional intelligence. They want to test how quickly you respond or are triggered, whatever, right? I don't know that they're going through those types of tests for police. I don't know that they're giving them that type of training to equip them to know how to diffuse situations without force, without being nervous, your fingers on the trigger. Like we were telling Kayla, if we had a gun and she was like, well, what if someone breaks in? Okay, we would not tell you where the gun was, right? Because you'd be so nervous, you wouldn't know what to do. And that's why people get trigger happy. Yeah. So I guess what I'm saying is, is I think part of the reform needs to be more training. It needs to be more integration. It needs to be more dialogue. It needs to be more diverse. But also I was talking to my dad and I want to be very clear. We have friends who are police officers, really great stand up, amazing police officers. So what I want to be clear of is saying that you're supporting black people right now when they need you, saying that you're supporting the Black Lives Matter movement does not mean that you have to turn your back on people who are police officers, law enforcement. Absolutely. That's not what that means. We support that, right? But saying something like, oh, it's not Black Lives Matter, it's all lives matter. That's not what's in question right now. You have something to say about that, Kayla? I, what? You do. I mean, (laughs) I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. Did you hear the metaphor is with the house is Mm -hmm. burning? So basically, when people say all lives matter, it's basically like, say you have a house and a house across the street is burning. And then so you go and try to bring water to put this fire out. Mm-hmm. And then the neighbor of the house that's burning goes, well, well, what about my house? And you go, well, your house isn't burning right now. And <laughs> and they go, but, but my house still matters. But my house could burn. My house could burn, but it isn't burning. So why would I try to put water on your house <laughs> when your house is totally fine and the other house next to you is burning? Mm-hmm. So that's like what I use whenever I'm trying to explain all lives matter. But mm-hmm. it just... You when I hear that, I, yeah, the first thing that comes to mind is ignorance. Yeah. And it's... And that's privilege. 
ignorance and privilege. Yes. Right. So, we but it's want- also to move the, the conversation. Like I hear that, and the part that affects me and offends me is that you are trying to move the conversation around from the, the real issue. And here's mm-hmm. one of the things I've I've explained to people that are not black, and I would say a lot of times people ignore the information, all the history, all those things that they can actually go and do research either online or find books. Because I think what happens is is once you know you're obligated to do something about it, and I don't think a lot of people want to do anything about it, Mm -hmm. right? And so what I would tell you is if you're saying to yourself, well, what about all lives matter? I would say, think about the analogy that Kayla Kayla just gave you. I always call the girls all the different names. Just gave you. And really think about the fact that there's a human race that's in need right now that needs support, that needs your openness, that needs your understanding so that we can move this entire country forward so that everyone starts to find what equality really feels like. But Eddie, all people need attention and all people need equality. Yeah. So I would tell you this, this is why it's so important if you're struggling with this, as far as you have friends that don't get it, you got to go to the facts. When people roll their eyes, when black people say, well, 400 years, but what people don't realize is that 400 years of slavery, right? And then once the slaves were released in 1865, right? They were just told, slavery's over, go home. There was no home. Mm -hmm. There was no infrastructure. There was no education. There was nothing, right? And so now you have 1865 and then to fast forward to 1965. So within 100 years, infrastructures and things had to be built so the Black people start catching up on 400 years of not being a part of society, not being able to have understand how the economy works, not being able to understand how to build things for themselves. And then you had a period within there is called Reconstruction. And what happened in Reconstruction is that it was eight years in which Black people actually had built something. They started to elect people in office. And then what happened is they enacted a law that eradicated that. And so what people don't realize is so many different layers of systemic racism that people don't understand that they don't want to spend time on that really set things back for an entire culture of people where you have reconstruction that was destroyed. Then you had redlining. This is when they created the ghetto, right? It's when they did not offer loans to certain people, to black people in suburban areas, and they only allowed them to live in certain areas. And then all of a sudden, you don't give resources to those areas. You don't provide any state funding to those areas. And all of a sudden, those areas turn into slums. And that's when you get the ghetto. So those are things that people don't understand. And I won't give you an entire history lesson right now. But that's the type of stuff that you need to educate people who say, well, all lives matter. Well, not all lives have been are, given well, the fair Well, not all sake. lives are in question right now. And not only that, but just why are we here? Mm-hmm. We're here because of years and years of oppression that Mm -hmm. put us in a situation where you have more poverty in in the Black community, you have less education in the Black community, you have less resources in the Black community because of the fact that these are systemic things that have been placed in areas where people have had a tough time coming out. And then you have people who will point at the exceptions. They'll say, well, what about this person? They made it. What about Mm -hmm. this person? They made it. You're literally pointing at one person, small percentages of individuals Mm -hmm. who happen to be exceptional. Mm -hmm. So now you're telling me, and I'm telling my daughters of three daughters, that in order for them to do anything fantastic in this world, they have to be be exceptional. exceptional. Mm -hmm. They have to be over the moon and perfect. You're saying in order for you to be accepted as a black girl in society today, you have to be over the moon exceptional. Absolutely. Yeah. You have to be the best in class to get an ordinary you have position. You speak well. You have to have good language. You can't have a crazy name. There's all Think these about stereotypes. This. For, for, I don't care if you don't like Obama, but he was perfect. Yeah. 
he had to be perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He could not have no had rap no raps. He couldn't have any no mistakes. Taxes, back taxes. So then you look at our current president and you see all of the things. Several that this person, baby mamas. You see all the things that we, you would say are a, kind of a flawed life mm-hmm. and no one's perfect. No I'm not saying it's, no one's judging. But if Obama but had that. He could never be elected. Never. So that's an example of privilege. Yeah. Right. I can be a flawed individual with a flawed past, with various mistakes and various failures and various missteps and, and things said in the media. And I still can get elected. That's privilege. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we're trying to get people to understand. Let me give you just one more example of privilege. So there's a local business that decided they were going to support and do a small, peaceful protest today in the city that we live in. And some people found out it became an issue where people started calling into the Glendora PD saying, oh, I heard there's going to be violence there. I don't want that in my community. And then they started to kind of attack her for posting the fact that she was trying to organize a peaceful protest here in our town. So this person says, when you start protesting peacefully, you will also bring attention to those that don't want to protest peacefully. And they will come here and destroy our city. This is the worst thing you can do. Putting us on the map. No bueno. May I suggest a different city? Please, I need to keep my children safe and you will bring harm here. That's privilege. Mm -hmm. Saying, I'm not going to stand up for what's right. I'm not going to support This is not my fight. Because this is not my fight, not here in my town. And then what I have to say to that is, uh, Jasmine has a friend. I'm just going to throw it all out there. But Jasmine has a friend who... She's a white girl. She has braids. She embraces the black culture. Back in our day, they'd say, oh, you think you're black, right? (laughs) And so she kind of gets a pass now because it's 2020 and you can embrace the black culture. You can listen to all the rap music that you want. But I have to say, like, you don't get to choose when you want to participate and support black culture. But then when when the black community really needs your support... You don't want to use your voice to stand up for that. That is also privilege. Absolutely. And you can't pick and choose. No. And the thing that I think what people need to self-reflect on is the fact that this person who said this in this post, what you're basically saying is that the fight for human life is not the fight you want to be a part of. Right. If this person was well, no, your neighbor. The fight for that human life is not is my not, mm, Right. It's but not if worth this me was your neighbor, my safety. If this was your a person that you refer that you know, this mm-hmm. is why I think proximity is is yep. like so over like overdone, needed, that this is not my fight because I don't know that person. Right. I don't value that person. This is why I said black people value black people's lives. Mm-hmm. Because they know it. Mm-hmm. That's me. It could have been me. You and I think it. I recognize it. And I think what, what we've got to get to a place is, is we don't see color when we see those things happen, that we see a life. We see a I human being. I feel like being. it's like a, bl- a fill in the blank. Like you've got to be able to fill in the blank with said family member from your family, right? Yeah. And so what happened this weekend was our girls wanted to attend a peaceful protest. They were watching the news. They were outraged. Our girls have cried so much in the last couple of days. Just the injustice is just something that they can't really handle and they want to be a part of the change. Maybe you can tell everybody, why did you want to go to the protest so bad? Yeah, why did you think you were Angela Davis? (laughs) Because you were so upset when we said, I don't think we should go. It's not safe. Why were you so upset? With social media now, all that I've been doing is reposting, trying to educate people. 
And at some point, I wanted to do more than mm-hmm. just try and post educational stuff, right. that hoping people on my social media will read it and mm-hmm. gain. I'm taking pers- these glasses off. I can't see. <laughs> <laughs> and gain perspective. But so when I found out about the march, I thought that we needed to go mm-hmm. so that I could do something more right. than just talk about it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I wanted to do. I wanted to be a part of something that could make change. Mm -hmm. I wanted to take action. What do you think? You wanted to stand for something. I wanted to stand for something. We've raised you to look at people equally. We've Mm -hmm. raised you to fight for what's right and not let people get bullied. So can you understand how hard that was for us knowing that we have three kids that want to be a part of the change and make a difference, but also it's our responsibility to save your lives and to make sure that you're safe, right? Mm. And it was not open for discussion for Kayla. She was like, no, we have to go. Like, I'm okay. I'm okay risking my life, which is a tough decision to make as a parent. And we also wanted to make sure that they knew the difference between protesters that are peacefully protesting and then the anarchists that are going out and antagonizing, antagonizing, and creating disturbance so mm-hmm. that it distracts you from what's really going on. Right. And that is something that is super prevalent, which upsets me the most. Right. Because I see this and I know that it's not the protesters. And the reason why these people, there's two people doing it. There's people who are taking op- the opportunity to steal because mm-hmm. they're thieves, mm-hmm. right? And then you have the people Which is that, a very small percentage, can I say? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a very- And it's not just black people. Most oh. of the looting we've seen, especially in Orange County, they were, <laughs> we're watching this video for like four minutes, not one single black person. Right. And so, and then you have people that they are you know, from organizations that are there to- specifically show the violence Mm -hmm. because here's the thing and here's the other part of privilege black people are trying to convince the majority of white people because we need the majority Mm -hmm. to change things to change policies to change laws and think about the privilege that you're in this woman who sent who put that in that post Mm -hmm. she's in a privileged position because she doesn't have these things she has to worry about in her own life she doesn't have to worry about you know, having biases and things that hold you back. She doesn't have to worry about people fearing her coming down the street. She doesn't have to worry about someone isolating and and segregating her children. She doesn't have to worry about any of those things. And so, but what we are worried about, people of color are worried about is her. I'm trying to convince her to know that there is a problem. Mm -hmm. That's privilege. I'm trying to convince you that if it were your son, you would be flipping tables in your city and you would be protesting and marching and putting up yard signs and doing all of these things if it were any one of your family members. So to that person, I would like to suggest that you fill in the blanks with your kids' names, Yeah. right? I'd like to suggest that you for a moment close your eyes and envision the officers make them whatever color you want. But if their knee was on your son's neck, how would you feel? What kind of context would you need to know? Like what would matter? What if your son was drunk? What if he was high? Whatever. What would you need to know or get people to see that the officer having his knee on his neck for eight minutes was wrong or him being beaten by four other grown men was wrong. I don't think you would need any context. No, if there was four black officers with their knees on a white male Mm -hmm. for nine, close to nine minutes, there'd be anarchy. It would be ridiculous. Like it would be so much outrage. Mm -hmm. It'd be put all over the media. Yeah. And so, we're, we're just all we're trying to but do is. But even if they is, were white, though, let's just keep them white. So these white guys, whatever, they're police officers of any color. 
they did that to your son, you would be outraged. Mm -hmm. You would be protesting, demonstrating in your community. You would make sure that all of them got their badges taken away. Like you would go through hell and high water to make sure that there was justice. That's what has happened repeatedly in the black community. And that's why they're pleading for your support. So to that woman, though, I want to say, pretend that you had to organize a rally, a protest or something, and pretend that now other groups were coming to try to deviate from the cause. And now they're busting windows of businesses and starting fires and causing all these disturbances in the community. And now you get blamed because you were fighting for your son's life. Like, that would be terrible. That's tragic. That is what's happening, right? Right. Also, I want to say to the people that have never attended a protest who have never had three daughters begging them to go so that way they could be a part of making a change. That was really difficult because if you go to the Black Lives Matter website, there's a whole checklist of things that you have to read. And I got to tell you, I read it and I was damn near in tears. So number one, you need to be prepared to get arrested. What does that mean? You've got to have bail money. You've got to make sure that you're ready to call off a work, not earn your wages. You've got to make sure you have an attorney representation. Uh, We don't have an attorney just kind of chilling so we could call. Hey, can you bail us out? We don't have a savings for bail money. And here we are going to go to this protest. And now Jasmine's over 18. Are we bailing her out? Like we have to have these discussions, you know? So all these people that are going are risking all of that. Yeah. Secondly, there's all these suggestions that you're going to probably get tear gassed. So wrap your whole body in a plastic wrap and then wear long sleeve clothes, like basically look like a criminal because <laughs> you got to cover your body because the tear gas will hurt your skin. Right. Yeah. Also, it's like everywhere on there. Tear gas is lethal, especially if you have asthma. So now we got Jordan, throw her in the mix. That's terrible. Then it says specifically, if you're white or white passing, please go to the front lines. Why? Because we're less likely to get a bullied by the police, trampled on or tear gassed if we have our white allies in the front. That was pretty alarming. Like we want to put all the white people in the front. We're asking them. We're asking the black people at the Black Lives Matter protest to when they see black people, please let them go to the front so that way they can be the representation for the police so they don't get pepper sprayed or tear gas. Like that's insane to me. Yeah. And then we were in the car driving out there, passing a Sharpie around the car, you guys, because it says if you get arrested or separated from your group, you've got to have phone numbers. Or taken. Taken by an undercover Fed or something. (laughs) Like all of these things, like I encourage you to go read it because I had this gut feeling that we were putting our whole family in harm's way, but I didn't want to take away from the fact that we needed to do what was right. And also those, and the things that you see on television, obviously those are real fires, those are real people looting, but it's also designed to... Because there's organizations that are trying to keep you out, keep mm-hmm. you away from protesting. It is there to bring fear in yeah. your life. So that you stay so home. So that you stay home. Mm-hmm. And that's what we literally had a five-minute conversation before we left that we're not going to allow ourselves to get to a place where we don't participate because we're afraid. Well, yeah. But Jordan was crying yeah. because she was like, I don't want something to happen to my dad. She's yeah. like, I have one dad. I don't want to lose my dad. Yeah. And so the reason we're having this conversation is so that way you guys can understand that these are the conversations we're having with our kids, with our friends. This is our way of playing our part. And yesterday, some random woman knocked on the door who I don't know. She doesn't know me, but apparently she read a post. She was inspired. She talked to you. She brought flowers. Mm -hmm. What'd she say? 
she came to the door and it was Janelle's birthday and she, I'm not sure if she knew. Wait, yeah, she didn't she say anything about my birthday. I don't know. Yeah. She just brought flowers and she asked if Janelle was home and I said she just left and and she goes, well, I just wanted to tell you and she starts crying that we stand with you and we are here with you and God has brought Janelle into my life and and she's impacted me and I was just like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. <laughs> I, 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 so she brought she, flowers yeah. to our family to say that she stood with us mm-hmm. because of probably a post that I wrote because I don't know her. I don't know how she knows where we live. But I want to say thank you to that. Like that is mm-hmm. what we're talking about is finding people posting, using our voices. Like Kayla, I asked you, have you had friends reach out to you about mm-hmm. the stuff that you're sharing? Are they yeah. interested in asking questions? Are, are you having better conversations with your friends? Definitely when we went to the protest and people saw that I was there, a lot of people DM'd reached me, asked, reached out if and asked if I was okay, asked if I was safe. And I and I told them the protest was completely peaceful. And then but I- But they I, saw chaos on yeah, TV and thought and, you were getting tear gas. Yeah, there is yet to be like, in the media, mm-hmm. the peaceful protests. And so everybody thought that I was involved yeah. in the looting and like, did you get Adidas in my size? Yeah. <laughs> but you know, it was funny when we were there, I asked you guys, I said, what do you notice? And they were mm-hmm. like, they looked at me dumbfounded. I go, what do you notice? And they go, I don't know. I go, there's not one media here. Nope. There's mm-hmm. not one camera here. And th- how many people do you think we were walking with? You know, at least 500, uh, if not more. Then yeah. there's way more, I think. Yeah. And so there was no media there to say, wow, look at this peaceful protest. Mm-hmm. People were chanting. People were mm-hmm. connecting with one another. Well, today, the peaceful to... protests that happened today in Covina, Glendora, yeah. no one was there. No one they was there. They spent 10 minutes praying, like on one knee, praying, so holding I'm, I'm... in solidarity. Media doesn't cover that. You know why? Because of the way we are consumers. Yeah. We consume information that's racy and provocative and we like being capturing, outraged. right? And so if they were to show, oh, this beautiful, peaceful protest happening today with all these children and families and strollers and neighbors and love, and then now we're tuning to you live in New York where the freaking blank, blankety blanks on fire and this and that, you're going to watch the fire. You're not going to watch the peace. The fire burns brighter than the peace sounds and feels. And I think that that's human conditioning. We get it. And I think what we're trying to do is, is get you guys who are listening to this today to share this with your friends, share this to people that are maybe um, that are not black, that need some information, that need some understanding. And I would tell you, if you're not black, and if you're black, I don't know, but if you're not black, ask your black friends, your black family members, whoever you can that you feel good about, ask them questions about what they experience. And then I think one of the things I was reading is this thing called how to be an ally, right? And allies start off with curiosity. Mm-hmm. They take curiosity and, and you get your own attention you and you self-reflect and then you take action because there is a responsibility that we all have. And I've said this to people that I, my responsibility is to educate as many people as possible because I'm good at teaching. So I want to teach people mm-hmm. what they haven't learned, what they need to know. And, and then they are obligated and they have the responsibility to share that. Mm-hmm. And once you share that and everyone knows and everyone understands their responsibility, then we have movement. Then we have people that come to your door because they had an epiphany. Maybe they didn't think that those things before, but now they do. Now they see the world a little bit differently. Now they see Black people differently. And I think that once we start to see that more and more, one person at a time, it's an amazing thing. I would tell you, when we went to the protest, it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. It was every color you can think Mm -hmm. of that was there. 
equally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Marching. Old, and, young. Old, young black, with white, children. Didn't matter. You know, and it was just a beautiful thing because I think you're getting to a place where people are taking responsibility of their privilege. People are saying, I know that I need to be here because the more white people see that other white people are here, they go, oh, wow, am I missing something? Mm -hmm. I need to, okay, I need to get some information. Yeah. And shout out really quick to Carly. Carly is our graphic designer. She's worked with me since she was 17 years old and she's grown and married and pregnant now. And I love her, but she's always had really good conversations with me about white privilege. She's a typical Glendora white girl with blonde hair, super beautiful, who looks like she's never had a problem in her life. And she showed me this video about a year ago when some other, you know, murders had happened, police brutality. And she said, I never really understood what white privilege was, but I'm so full of it. You know, she said that in this video, which I'll link in our show notes, they had all of these kids. It was like a church thing. So there were black, white, whatever. All these kids started a starting line and the pastor was yelling out, if you grew up with both parents, take one step forward. If you grew up and had never had financial problems that were brought to your attention by your parents, step forward. And you can clearly and visibly see all of the white kids were moving forward. Even other races were moving forward, but the black kids were behind. One of the questions was like, if your electricity or a bill has ever gotten unpaid and, you know, something got turned off, you know, stay behind. And it was just so alarming to see the the gaps and the disparities between the races. And that one video helped her see like, I've never experienced any of that. That's yeah. privilege. It doesn't make you a racist. It no. makes you, you're in the upper class and you got to yeah. acknowledge that. And so how can you help people that have not had a head start like you have? But also I will say that I've heard this a lot within like my friends or other people on social media that Sometimes black people get almost I don't want to say angry, but angry whenever white people ask, what can I do? Because Mm -hmm. they say, well, it is not my responsibility Mm -hmm. as a person of color to tell you how you can be a better person to me. Mm -hmm. You have to take it upon yourself to go out and research yourself. Mm -hmm. And, And I've been seeing that a lot on social media, that it is not people of color's job to always tell you as a white person it's not how you can be a better you. white person. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And, that's good. and I agree with some of that, but yeah. I also believe that if you are armed with the right information that you can help liberate mm-hmm. them and help them understand more, then you, it's up to you. It's your responsibility to pass that along. Mm-hmm. No one's going to know your history better mm-hmm. than you. I think that's something that people have to realize when they say that. It's like most human beings are self-preservation. And so they're trying to preserve themselves. They're trying to keep themselves. They're interested in self-preservation. Yeah. Uh And so being self-centered about what you are doing and what you doesn't, I don't, I don't expect some person that doesn't live my shoes. That's never walked in my shoes to go and say, I'm going to go read all these books. I'm going to go learn about all these things. Well, there's no skin in the game. Why would I do that? Why would you do that? Right. I know. And I completely agree, but I'm just saying what I've seen on social media is that people are now getting upset because there are resources, there's social media. You can literally look up George Floyd Mm -hmm. and, and see the video and, You know, and see what links to go to and see how to donate. It's so easy nowadays. 
that people are like, why they want am I you waste- to take two yes, steps yeah. at this point? Yeah. Why do you not see it? And right. why do I need to continue yeah. to? Explain and that is myself? something that some people are going to have yeah. a stance on. I'll tell you that lots of people have messaged me and said, I really love that you're trying to encourage people to ask questions. I didn't want to offend anyone. What can I do? Perfect. Glad mm-hmm. that you asked. You can use your platform and your voice to post things that pertain to unity and solidarity. You can use your platform and your post to talk about how black lives do matter right now. And those are the lives that are in question. You can use your forum and the people that follow you to get them to see that you are an empathetic person, to get them to see that you want to do something to make a change in the world. Because I strongly believe that the change is only going to come from inspiration. We can't sit back and expect people who have never walked in your shoes to understand what they should be doing to help support you. Mm -hmm. So my message is very clear. Tell them exactly what to do step-by-step, how to do it. Here's a post for you. I already wrote it for you. Here's what you can post. Here's what you can share. Like, give them all the tools. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and let me just add something to this. I spent however many years in high school, elementary school, learning about American white history. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you, do what Jane Fonda did. Jane Fonda said, I spent the last three years studying black history. Mm -hmm. But that, to me, I think that's necessary. That's part, because we're not, no one's, we're not going anywhere. We're going to, we're going to coexist for a very long time in Mm -hmm. peace. I think that it's not a bad idea to say, hey, I need to spend some time learning that history, the history that's not in the history books, the history that you do not see. And what were you telling me the other day, Kayla, about the pictures in your history books? Oh, oh, that uh, was good. I just recently found out that pictures in our history books, our pictures about the civil rights era, are purposely put black and white so that we learning it think it was farther back than it actually was. Right. Because we were so, dis- I remember learning about it and being so disassociated from the movement thinking because it thinking so it was so long ago mm-hmm. and thinking we were so far past that. But really, I'm finding out that all these pictures that were in my history books are actually colored mm-hmm. and they made them black and white. Right. Which is which kind is, of a which slap is power, in the face for you. powerful, right? So, I know we've been talking about this for a while. This is a conversation that never stops, and like I told my team, that this is a lifetime conversation. Yeah. You cannot stop talking about this. So, if you're listening to this and you're angry about what's going on, you're frustrated, and that energy, use that energy to towards something, whether it be educating yourself further on on what's going on, understanding the history more or educating other people. Because here's what happens. When that energy and that fear and the anger dissipates, then you get to a place where it's easy for you to forget. Mm -hmm. It's easy for you to get to a place where you don't even think about the fact that George Floyd was a human being that walked this planet that was was murdered. And if you need to see more, here's a couple of resources for you. 13, when did we watch 13? Uh, That's a great- Like two years ago. So 13 is a great Netflix documentary Mm -hmm. about mass incarceration, gives you an extensive history. It will tell you why the jails are full of minorities. Yeah. Yeah. And then another one, I think if you have kids and they are not black and you want to learn more about like, okay, well, I get what they're saying. If I'm- going to fill in the blanks with my kids' names, you know, what should I do to really get in character with that? You need to watch When They See Us. Mm -hmm. When They See Us. no matter what, you you will will be destroyed. Yeah. And I don't want to hear you say, oh, that was too hard. I wasn't able to watch that. You better suck it up and watch it because it's real Mm -hmm. and it happened and it was a real story. The director stated in the Oprah interview she had, she said, it's hard, but it's necessary. Yes. Yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm. And then there's a couple of books. Yeah, so I would say uh, if you want to know more about mass incarceration as well, the new Jim Crow. 
Uh, if you want to know about Reconstruction, which is a, a pivotal thing that you should know about, it's called The Short History of Reconstruction by um, Eric Froner. Yep. And that's it. Ta-Nehisi Coates, Eight Years in Power, a fantastic book. You Between the World and Me, we'll I can go on and more. All those books, notes, we'll yeah. put them in the show notes for you to read and, and do some research. But on please leave a comment, write a review. Let us know if this was insightful for you. Don't leave any hate because I'll come for you. <laughs> um, you know, we just spent an hour of our lives right now trying to open up our family, open up some of our experiences, open up some of the things that we think could make the world a better place. So absolutely don't share any hate. But if you have something great to say, we'd love your feedback. We'd love to know and hear about any perspective shifts you've had. And we hope to see you in the next episode. Push through. Thank you for listening to the Push Podcast. Hey, we want to hear from you. So if you have a question or there's a particular topic that you want us to tackle and you want us to help you push through, you got to do something for us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts and you got to leave a rating and a review. And in that review, go ahead and leave that question with your Instagram handle so that we can shout you out when we actually answer the question. And we'll talk about that on the podcast and make sure that, hey, this particular podcast is made for you. So leave a rating, leave a review. You leave your handle and until next time push through